0: Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, we're talking about what it takes to find and attract the right sales executive for your business. I'm thrilled to be joined by Debbie Doak and Kim Cole of The Sales Zone. They help great companies find amazing sales and executive talent. I've had the good fortune to work with them with several of my clients, and they've consistently delivered rockstar sales professionals, often from sources you wouldn't expect. We're going to talk about the biggest mistakes executives make when hiring salespeople. How do you find the right candidates? The difference between millennials and prior generations when it comes to hiring? And finally, children often ask, where do babies come from? So I'm going to ask them, where do great sales and executives come from? Sit back, take a lot of notes. You're going to learn how to find the right talent from Debbie Doak and Kim Cole. So, Debbie and Kim, welcome to the show.
1: Thank Thank you, you, Ian. Ian. We're happy to be here.
0: Excellent. So, obviously, I know a lot about the sales zone, but for the benefit of our listeners, um, Kim, could you give us a little bit of background on the sales zone?
2: Sure. So, we've been around since 2000. uh, Debbie and I co-founded the company together in 2000. And our focus has been on placing candidates that are customer-facing, revenue-affecting, or or both – But as time has gone on, we've also played in the C-suite and we've been fortunate enough to place chief sales officers, CEOs, chief operating officers with a specific sales spin and kind of everything in between. We are industry neutral. There are a couple of industries that we don't particularly focus on, but for the most part, we're industry neutral, uh, but discipline specific. I guess that's the best way to describe our firm. We help you acquire talent that helps you grow
0: your top line. Yeah, and and it's funny because... In the places where I've introduced you into clients, they'll say, oh, we're working with someone right now. Mostly they do our technical recruiting. And I say, yeah, that's that's the difference is – so Debbie and Kim just focus on sales executives. And so they know how to overcome the kind of snafus that most people do. So let me ask you, what's the biggest mistake that you see executives make when they're trying to hire salespeople?
1: When you're looking to hire sales talent – one of the big things is they do that executives do is they don't really define the role up front and define success. So, um if you don't do that, you don't really know what you're looking for. So, you know, first and foremost is define what success looks like in the role, um, and it helps you then really define what that candidate is going to look like. So when you embark on that interview process, um you can really evaluate the talent in the appropriate way
0: so so, let me, let me get to specifics on that because there's a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, okay, so I needed to find the role in success. So g- give me, give me a, a role that you can think of and what typically you might hear from the, from the executive who's looking to do the hiring and instead what it should sound like.
1: Okay, so I can tell you we have heard this hundreds and hundreds of times. Does anybody know a great salesperson? I'm looking to hire a really good salesperson. Well, that absolutely does nothing to help either your network refer someone or a recruiter help you find, or your internal HR help you find a person. Because that means a lot, there's a lot of great salespeople out there, but it does not necessarily mean that that's going to be a great salesperson for your particular role, your particular industry, or selling to your particular customers. So define... More specifically, what does it mean for you and what does it mean for that role? So, a person that sells a product um, and is very successful at selling a product might not necessarily be successful or be the right person for you in selling the type of solution to your particular customer. So, just be more specific in defining the particular role and what success looks like.
0: So, so Deb, so I, I get that. So, specifically, what would it sound like in a given industry when they're doing it right, what would they be saying that lets you know that these people know what they're doing?
1: Okay, so that's a great question. So, more specifically, and and let's just kind of think of it in the context, if you were going to reach out to your network or to a recruiter or maybe define it to your internal HR department or your recruiting department versus, you know, let's not say, hey, just go find me a great salesperson, but say, look, I'm looking for A great salesperson or a great sales executive, but I need somebody that has experience selling solutions, not products. I need somebody that we're looking to hire somebody that has experience working with the senior financial suite within the Fortune 1000 companies because our solutions are bought by that particular customer. We don't sell to the SMB market, but we sell to the Fortune 1000. And that's a very different ex- experience set, selling to large corporations versus the SMB market. So, and there's a lot of great people that, salespeople that sell to both, but it's a, again, it's a different skill. So our sale is a longer sales cycle because the dollar value of what we sell is $100,000 versus $5,000. So again, a different skill. Define that for somebody, you know, be able to define that up front. Um, So, various things like that. Just get more specific around it. So, when you do start looking for somebody, that enables you to ask better questions and further define what it is you're looking for.
0: Okay. So, just I'm going to kind of wrap up what what I heard so people have it in in a little bit of a bucket. So, it sounds like instead of saying, hey, I just want a great salesperson, you're going to say, look, I'm looking for someone who's had good sales success and by the way, it may be either solutions or products as the first category. Then here are the job titles or industries that maybe they're in. then here's the market size of who they who they typically target, meaning do they are we looking for people who are selling to small business, large business, medium business, you know that that sort of thing. Then here's our typical sales cycle, and here's our typical sales size, and that way, I'm getting somebody who's got those specific areas of experience. Because the person who has historically been selling a five thousand dollar solution that 's a one visit sale isn 't necessarily going to have the same skills as the person to sell a four million dollar fortune five hundred deal that takes nine months to close
1: absolutely and you know you can look at that in kind of the mechanics of the deals you know and there there might be other industries that you can look at that parallel you know what your particular business is all about but you know, look at the mechanics of the deal, the mechanics of the sales process, um, and you know, are there similarities there?
0: Excellent. All right, great. So you know, I think it gives people a really good idea of, um, of of what to be looking for. Now, Kim, I know that you do a lot of work in the in the realm of the millennials, and yeah. they're becoming the largest segment of the workforce, the largest segment of the buyer community out there by next year. So, what's different? When you're recruiting in the millennial space versus not—that's
2: an interesting question, particularly as it relates to sales. So, there—I read something recently about millennials kind of don't like the the term sales, and so—but there are a lot of excellent salespeople out there who happen to fall into the millennial generation. Um, so, what we're seeing from. Other customers, you know, some of our customers, as well as even some of our service providers, is we have salespeople, but we also have customer success managers, and that has a very different connotation than an enterprise sales executive or um, just a pure play account manager. So I think sometimes you know we've we've talked about in the past, hey, titles don't matter. I think the the construct of the job and how a job title is presented to somebody. In Gen Y or millenni- the Millennial generation is very important.
0: Yeah, and and I think to to that point, one of the things that I often find in the clients that I work with is this notion of just what you said. Hey, we're not comfortable with this idea of selling. And then I'll ask those people. Often it'll be a group that includes you know that Gen Y or Millennial group, and I'll say, Well, so do you feel like you do a pretty good job of helping your clients solve problems better than they can solve themselves? They say, Oh, absolutely. Okay. Would you be uncomfortable helping people solve more of those problems? No, not at all. Okay. Are you okay if we help show you how to do that? Oh, absolutely. And then they're like, oh, on board. And guess what? They're actually selling what the company is doing. But it also means the company has to shift their focus a little bit more towards how are they solving issues for their clients rather than just what are they peddling?
2: That's absolutely correct. And in fact, that's actually a much better interview question to ask. You know, somebody, rather than the old cliche, where do you want to be in five years? A better question is, you know, what types of problems do you see yourself solving for your customers, for your company, um, you know, for society at large in five years? That's a, a much better way to frame that for for a generation that is, on the one hand, jaded by what they've seen their parents go through, but on the other hand, um, you know, very bright eyed about the future. So it's an interesting dynamic for sure
0: you know, so I'm glad you mentioned this idea of questions. So what are some of the worst questions that stand out for you that candidates have asked? And um, and, what <laughs> so, and what sorts of questions should they be asking? And by the way, then I'm going to ask you the same thing on the employer side. But first, on the candidate side, what are some of the worst questions that stand out for you?
2: Our stock and trade advice to any candidate of any generation going into a first interview is never ask a me level question. And this is something that spans generations. People are guilty of this. Um, And that is they ask about compensation and benefits before the that's kind of like that's the equivalent in in the sales world of talking about pricing on a first sales call or talking about pricing way too early in the buying process. So asking me level questions I think is one of the biggest mistakes that candidates make. Our advice is to flip that and keep things very focused on the fact that any given position in any company is exists to help that company solve some sort of problem. It could be sales, could be something else, but the position exists to help the company solve a problem. So focus on what it is you're going to be doing, the problems you're going to be solving, and frame pretty high-level questions, frankly, around that role. And then I think the other thing is to ask questions too early in the process um, that don't show that you've done your research. So the other piece of advice is don't go in and ask a question if it is so easily answered by having read the company's website before you go in. So upfront research is key. And if you know who you're going to be interviewing with, you really, really need to have looked at their LinkedIn profile. So you understand who they are, where they've been, where they've come from, and what might be informing their particular interview style. So I would say those are, so the worst questions you can ask are me level questions or questions that you absolutely could have found out before you walked in the door. So you could acknowledge, hey, I read this on your website and then ask a second level question that A, shows you've done your research, and B, enables you to take that interview conversation to the next level on the first round, that will differentiate you as a candidate.
0: So avoiding those me-level questions, and, and you said that oftentimes they might be, you know, the, the, the business is undoubtedly trying to solve some sort of a challenge or problem. So what might it sound like? What might a good question sound like from a candidate early on in the interview process?
2: I think an excellent first-level question would be, hey, I read on your website that RSA is a customer of yours or XYZ Company is a, is a client of yours. What has prompted them to remain a customer? What, what have you done incredibly well for that customer? And, you know, obviously the interviewer is going to answer the question and say, that's excellent because, you know what, let me give you an example of where I've done similar work for a similar type of company. Oh, that's great. That's then the cr- candidate, has, all of a sudden, the person sitting on the other side of the desk is like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. And, and,
0: and it, also, it also demonstrates that you've done some research up front because you, no you saw that they're doing that. So it ties those those things together. By the way, do you have one or two that like after the, after the interview, you got a call and someone said, I can't believe they asked this question?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and can, and can yeah. you share it? <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, I had somebody ask what their work hours would be, like the third question.
0: Yeah, you know, it's In a
2: professional business-to-business setting, now that may sound really reasonable, and it it is reasonable at a certain point. But here's the thing: what you see on someone's website, "Hey, we're open from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday." Your work hours are going to fall within that. Doesn't yeah. mean you have to work every single day from eight to six. Some days it might be nine to six or 10 to 7 it depends on the needs of the business. Um so we've had and 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 you know people who are senior enough that they should know better and it sounds so silly but absolutely we get we get those kinds of comments
0: all the time. That's that's too funny. So yep. so so Deb on the employer side what are the worst questions that you've heard employers ask and then I want to get into what they should be asking instead
1: what an employer absolutely needs to do is they need to come prepared for the interview. And I've gotten feedback from candidates, and I'm not necessarily going to say it's our clients, but in general, when they've engaged in an interview process, is that the interviewer isn't prepared, that they haven't reviewed the resume before the candidates come in, and they're almost reviewing it on the spot. Um, They're late for the interview um, and really not treating the candidate... um, really with the the due respect because there's an investment on both sides. So I say hiring in general, but sales hiring, I mean, that's the revenue generation of the company and it's a a key hire. So come to the interview fully prepared, you know, having reviewed the resume and knowing what you want to know about that individual. So, you know, with well thought out questions, what does the resume say about the individual, about the types of companies they work for, about their career progression about what they're bringing to your organization as a candidate. Um, You know, if there are holes in the resume or things that you really need to explore in detail, have those questions jotted out so you can ask thoughtful questions about them. You can ask thoughtful questions about the comments I made earlier, about, you know, who have their customers been, about what types of deals they've done so they can take you through, you know, Particular deals, mechanics of deals, customers, value prop, their value proposition. Um, you know, don't ignore particular failures that they've had or um, explore their successes, but really be thoughtful in the review of the documentation that you have prior. So it's a good use of everybody's time. So you know, show the respect of the candidate that they're due, so they can show you the respect that you're due as a potential employer.
0: Yeah, one of the things I often I often say to people which I think they miss is look, a lot of times as the employer, you think that you're in this power position, but in industries where there's very high employment right now, and I know Kim's got all this all the stats on this stuff, the the employer is selling the position just as much as the candidate is trying to sell themselves. And ultimately, it only works when there's a good fit between the two. And you might have someone who's your ideal candidate, but if, as the employer, you do a shoddy job, you just repelled somebody you really want in your team.
1: Absolutely. Well, so, Ian, that's, see, that's an excellent point. And anyone, you know, both parties can say no at any juncture in the interview process. And as an employer... um. You know, you want your A candidates say yes to you, and the reality is, when you know you're recruiting, whether it's an active or a passive candidate, they're looking at you, but they're probably looking at a couple other companies as well, and they very well could get a counter offer from their current employer. So you want to be the person that they say yes to, and um, assuming that you move to the point where you want to extend an offer, so you know, look, everybody needs to be on their best behavior all the way because. Also consider the point, if not them, you surely want them to think of you in the highest regard, not only as a potential employer but as a potential service provider, you know, and to be able to recommend you. so um, you know, just always be mindful of that in any engagement with a potential candidate, especially in
0: sales yep and 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 Kim, I got a question for you, which is, I know that. You know with with all the with all the talk we see in the media about unemployment, I think that it's misleading because especially in certain industries in certain skill levels, the unemployment numbers aren't the same as what we might see as vast unemployment otherwise. Can you talk about that a little bit
2: absolutely so nationally right as we record this um interview, nationally unemployment is at five percent, and That's actually, in some quarters, um, a declaration of full employment by government economists. But then when you look at some major markets and also some high-growth secondary markets, the numbers really are quite different. So, for example, in the greater Washington, D.C. area, unemployment among college-educated employees in who who would be candidates for the super sector as defined by the Bureau of Labor Statistics Business Advisory Services is below three percent in Northern California. So from from Silicon Valley up to San Francisco, and even uh, up, I would even go so far as to say other parts of the Pacific Northwest, the demand for very specific highly skilled jobs. And even just customer-facing, revenue-affecting jobs that we are working on, the demand exceeds the supply. In other words, there are more jobs um, than there are candidates or potential candidates to fill them. And so that is a jumping-off point for all employers to really take a look at their candidate acquisition strategy. Um, Very recently, within the last uh, week and a half, GE announced that talent acquisition is as a strategic problem for them, because the number of um, highly skilled people, and that would span technology people to um, salespeople and everything in between, is it's a problem. They have in or- and it will hamper their growth as an organization. So sales talent acquisition becomes absolutely a board level discussion for organizations. It's crucial,
0: yeah, and and let's face it, if you don't have the right person on your team, then you don't know if it's your message or your positioning or the talent. But if you have great quality talent, they're going to give you feedback on where you need to make adjustments in your messaging. Now, of course, young children will often ask, Hey, where do babies come from? So asking the two of you, <laughs> where do you find, where do you, where do great sales executives come from? So where do you find great sales and executive talent today?
2: Well, I'd like to say we we wave our magic sales zone wand, but that's, we, I, I, you know, I forgot mine somewhere. Um, no, so we, I'll tell you how we recruit. And there, I think that clients appreciate that we, you know, are very upfront and transparent that it's, there's no magic to it. I think the magic comes really from us being in business now going on 16 years and building, frankly, a brand where this is what we do. You know, customer-facing, revenue-affecting positions at all levels. Um, and this is the brand that we've built. With that said, LinkedIn plays a huge part in our talent and how we go and find people. So 31% of the people of the last 100 searches that we successfully completed, 31% of those people came to us because one, someone in our company initiated an in-mail to them. Right. Um, the an, another 20%, I think this is a really good number, 20% of them we find on job boards. So we reach out to them. They don't come to us. So when you combine those two numbers, whether it's uh, LinkedIn or going to Indeed or Career Builder or others, 51% of our successful placements come because we make an effort to reach out to that Person, because we've been able to find their resume or look at their LinkedIn profile and make a very specific overture by way of uh, written communication to them. Cool. 24% come from personal referrals or our personal network. And again, that's something that we've built up, but that's something that you have. That's something that anybody listening to this who's sitting in a hiring chair. Everybody has a personal network, and working it and nurturing it is crucial not only for business, but candidate acquisition. Yep. Um, 19% of our candidates come to us by way of uh, paid, paid advertising on LinkedIn, so paid um, job postings. Only 6% of our candidates come to us passively through an applicant tracking system um it's the most passive way to recruit but you know 6% of them come that way and i suspect if you took you know that number and multiplied it by 10 i don't think that those percentages would change much i think that that's kind of where we're at um, as you know as a society in terms of hiring and, and leveraging social media.
0: Yeah, and I think it, it really points back to the idea of your the value of your network because if you if you look at LinkedIn as an extension of your network, then all of a sudden, gee, between personal referrals and LinkedIn, you're well over fifty percent. When you mm-hmm. talk about what you do on the job boards, I mean, that's that's where all this is coming. What sort of a role does social media play in this these days?
2: Well, it's huge. I mean, if let's not forget, LinkedIn is a social uh, media site. Um, it's a business networking site with 400 million plus members now. Um, and it's a networking juggernaut. And it's not going away anytime soon. But it is a social media site. Um, I heard a statistic the other day. That 76% of the people who changed jobs in 2014 did so because someone mentioned something on Facebook. Now, that doesn't mean that they necessarily found a job through a posting on Facebook, but someone mentioned it and they, you know, um, followed a trail that led them somewhere else. That's huge. It is huge. <laughs>
0: that's that's huge and scary. Yeah. <laughs> and scary.
2: Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so
0: I was inspired. I saw someone's posting of kittens, and then yeah. that inspired me to look for a new job at right. a pet store, I guess. That would be uh that would be it. So uh and, and by the way, the thing the thing that I love that that um that both of you do is you're so generous in how you share your approach with clients. In fact, people I've referred to referred to you in the past have come back to me and said, yeah, I mean, they they told us exactly how they would do the search and even said, look, if we want to give it a shot for a little while first, we could do it. And the more we got into it, it's a lot of work. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it, yeah is, well, it is a lot of work.
2: Look, our high, the our customers always say, why does it seem that candidates always seem to trickle in, you know, when we when we attempt this ourselves. And part of it is Recruiting is everybody's job all the time, but it's not your primary job. And it does take time. And especially as the services that all of us sell and um, the problems that we solve for our customers become more complex, by definition, that's going to translate to a more complex interview process and the need for a more thorough interview process. And if we're part of that in some stream, that's great. And if customers feel like they need to attempt it themselves first, actually, we love that because then we can go in and kind of have that higher level of discussion about, okay, let's talk about what's worked and let's talk about what's not working now. And let's see where we can fit into the problem solving puzzle.
0: Yeah, I, I remember that. I think it was Debbie talked to a client of mine who was looking to interview somebody and 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 they said they, they said well so what kind of questions should we ask and Debbie said oh just all the questions I'm sure you already ask and he said he, he was relaying the story to me and he says yeah and then she rattled off like half a dozen questions that I've never asked a candidate before that she crafty. just that she just assumed <laughs> so so listen so I I want to know the one piece of advice each of you would give to people and Deb if you happen to want to share a couple of gems for interview questions, you can feel free to do that too. So if you had one piece of advice to give people who are trying to attract the right kind of talent, what would you tell them to do?
1: Um, so I'll answer that. I would say, and it's a little bit of a follow-on to Kim, as a hiring manager or an executive within a company or a CEO, a business owner, always be interviewing you know, utilize the tools that you have at hand and your HR department. No interview is a bad interview because that will potentially lead somewhere, whether it be a referral source, a potential hire now, or a potential hire down the road. So it doesn't have to be a protracted, you know, two to three hour, multiple step interview process, but always be engaging talent for your organization.
2: Here's what I'll add to it is, you know, because you, you asked us about, you know, what, what can um, companies do on their own? I would say don't make it a secret. How many times have you gone to someone's website and looked for the career section or the find a job section and in the navigation system? It might be at the bottom of the page in the tiniest font. And that's a huge problem. Number one, um, you know, or even if it's at the top and it's really tiny. And part of this, I realize, goes back to web design and what people are, are doing for their companies. But, you know, the reality is that whether it's sales or some other highly skilled um, position that your company is looking to fill, make it absolutely visible. On your, even if it means changing your website, make your careers button or your find a job section highly visible, highly accessible, minimal clicks to actually get to the job. And then use every single platform available to you to reinforce that LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. And I'm even starting to see some job stuff on Instagram. Absolutely. Wow. I would add to that YouTube, forgive me for not adding YouTube, that YouTube has become, uh, has surpassed several search engines um and i've read some stuff on recruiting blogs about just basically doing a videotape of hey this is what our company's looking for and just a quick video on your iphone and popping it onto your company's youtube channel and don't be so precious about how your marketing looks just get that information out there so that you know you, who knows maybe you're the next youtube star because your youtube employment video went viral
0: that's great and and if and if the character of your company has any playfulness to it, make sure that comes through on your video because you want to make it so that whatever people see is consistent with the experience they're going to have when they get there. No question. Um, So uh, you've shared a ton of great information. Um, Both of you, it's really been awesome. I, I want to end with one thing, which is the idea of, you know, kind of one or two great interview questions. So one of my favorite questions that I'll ask people is tell me about a deal that you lost, that you should have won, and why. Because then I get their experience, and I find one of two things. Either they own the situation, which means they say, oh, the reason I lost is because I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Or they give an awesome explanation that is a perfectly good excuse for why they lost that was out of their control. And what I find is that that person... That won't be the last great excuse they come up with in their life. So they'll have many great excuses why they lose deals. And I feel like when I get when I ask that question, I get good insight into whether or not they're coachable. But do you each have one or two questions that, as employers, you think are great to ask?
1: Sure, um, a few things. As I'm getting to know sales professionals, um, I'd like to ask them the question about you know on a personal what motivates them as a sales professional. I want to understand what makes them tick. Are they, you know, most good salespeople are motivated by money. That's part of it. But, you know, getting inside their head, are they motivated by solving problems? You know, is it the team environment? Are they, you know, kind of the the classic hunters or farmers? But to really understand, because I'm looking for alignment to the role. And another question that I ask um, is I want candidates and, and sales professionals to take me through a typical deal, one or two um, that they're most proud of and understand why. And um and what I'm looking for is um number one, how they do it and can they do it and to what level of detail they can provide, but to really get an understanding, you know, of the mechanics, the objections that they had to overcome, the sales process in general. Um, you know how they found the customer, um, what resources they had to work with internally um, as well as externally, um, and and really understand uh, that to a, a great level of detail. And it it tells you a lot about who they are as a professional. And and I'm again I'm looking for alignment um, to how that might work with a particular role that we're helping one of our clients um, uh, fill and hire for. And organizations should look look for that as well.
0: I love both those questions. The idea of what motivates you and then take me through one or two of your proudest deals, because now it gets to their pride, gets their motivation. What's their process and the mm-hmm. like, Kim, do you have any to add?
2: I would say it's it's two parts number one a, a lot of people fall back on if they if if an interviewer is feeling a bit unprepared you know they might reflexively say hey tell me about your strengths and weaknesses and that's just far too general it's it's a it's a it's a question that anybody listening to this needs to promise themselves they are not going to ask in the future instead reframe it because if you ask something too general you're going to get a very general answer and um so we, we like to look at a job description and frame up those key skills that are crucial to the role. And it can be high-level business-to-business deals, you know, on the order of magnitude that Debbie was describing And hey, tell me about your proudest deal, um, to high granularity around high levels of specificity around Salesforce.com and everything in between. Some clients really need hard skills in Excel. Some people really need people who understand how to sell to, the technology sector or the financial services sector list the top 5 skills or more i mean if look if you've got 10 crucial skills that are absolutely vital to the role list them talk to the candidate about them and say where are you strongest and you know they'll give you an answer and then say okay so for those areas where you didn't you didn't mention them or there might be a perceived weakness what would your personal plan be to develop that weakness into a strength. You can get a lot of insight from how introspective someone is by the way they answer that question.
0: Wow. I love that. I love that. So basically, make sure it, if, you, if you start general, you're going to get general. If you start specific, you'll get something specific. So list out the crucial skills you need. And you can even say, ask them, hey, listen, write them down. Give me zero to 10 on each one. What do you think? What are the things that you give yourself a you know, an 8, 9, or 10 on? And obviously, it's not going to be all of them. And if they are, then they're probably full of it anyhow. And I love that idea of what's your plan to get there. Yep, so absolutely. I, yep. I, and, well and, said. Yeah, and I, I, I thank both of you for sharing just a ton of great information here. Um, what's the best way for our audience to get a hold of you?
2: Uh, if you go to www.thesaleszone.com, click on Contacts, you'll see who we are, what we do, and the easiest way to get a hold of us. And we're both on LinkedIn. So... As is our company page.
0: So, so Kim and Debbie, I know that you shared a ton of great information here. There are a lot of good questions, kind of processes and things like that. Is there like a one-pager that businesses can use that kind of points to that type of information? Or if not, is there something that you'd be willing to create for our listeners?
2: Absolutely. I mean, they can go to our website and go to uh, thesalesown.com slash grow and we'll have a snapshot of uh, all of the information that we uh, provided for you today.
0: That's fantastic. So thanks so much. And those of you who are listening, check out their site at The Sales Zone. There's a ton of great information there. If you go to the slash grow, you'll even have this one pager that gives you more than you could possibly ever want to know about the right way to find the right candidate. So Kim and Debbie, thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Ian. Thank you, Ian.
0: Debbie and Kim share such amazing content. Let me give you a 30-second recap of the things I think you can put to work immediately in your business to find the right talent. First, 6% of hires come from job posting, so posting and praying is not enough. Since more than half of your good candidates are gonna come from network or personal connections, be detailed, don't just ask for a great salesperson. Specify, are they gonna be selling products, services, or solutions? Explain where you typically sell into what industries and which job titles, and then share the information about the sales amount and the sales cycle for each one. Great questions to ask involve not general questions because general questions lead to general answers. Instead, get specific. Ask them questions like, what motivates you? Take me through one or two of your proudest deals and then list the crucial skills and talents and have them rate each one, then describe what their plan would be to overcome those hurdles. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If you know someone I should have on as a guest, or if you have a topic you'd love for me to cover, let me know. Send me an email directly at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at GrowMyRevenue.